Welcome to the Harnessing Happiness podcast. Upbeat vibes generated and transferred to you. Now here's your host, Sarah J. Naylor. Hello and welcome to Harnessing Happiness with myself, Sarah J. Naylor. Thank you so much for stopping by and listening to my podcast. Really appreciate and love having you as my listeners. So today I have the fabulous Angela Cripps with me and I'm going to hand over to Angela to introduce herself because as my regular listeners will know, I like my, and I've, no, I love, I love my clients, my, my clients, my, my guests. <laughs> I've got my work head on. <laughs> I love my guests to introduce themselves because they could do it far more eloquently, as you can quite obviously see, <laughs> than I do myself. So Angela, over to you. Please do introduce yourself to my fabulous listeners. Did you just do that to reiterate your point? <laughs> I think and so. We may be clients and customers at this point because we are looking to work together. So who knows what's going on. I'm Angela Cripps. I'm the MD of the Recruiting Gym, which is both online, face-to-face, hybrid training, coaching and consultancy. We're a team of 20 coaches and we're in 89 different countries all around the world. We're, tr- we're truly global and I've been working in the recruitment industry for coming up for 33 years i love it it's my passion it is one of the things that makes me happy as well working with recruiters so uh, yeah that's a little essence of me i didn't realize that the recruiting gym was across so many different countries that's awesome absolutely amazing because it's a it's a really a relatively new business isn't it i mean and how that evolved was all down to uh, well you you tell my listeners <laughs> do tell the story because i think it's it just encapsulates the opportunities that have been presented and when people actually seize those opportunities so yeah Fire away, Angela. Yeah, so this all started two and a half years ago with Alex Moyle, um, who'd been in the recruitment industry about 25 years. He wanted to get a community together, to work together, to support each other, and that's where the recruiting gym started. I think that got involved and wanted to put one of my courses online on his platform. We started working together, realised we, we had the same values, we worked really well together. And when COVID hit, Uh, I got more and more involved and actually he made me MD in the summer because it was like well yeah you're pretty much running it let's let's make it official (laughs) and then by the end of the year he was he 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 doesn't mind saying because he is out there he's been diagnosed now he's got ADHD so he's shiny thing shiny thing new thing new thing Mm. so doing the same thing day in day out um, online without getting to go out and do stuff wasn't necessarily his favourite thing. So he said, do you want to buy it? So I did. He's kept 20% share, so I own 80%. And up until that point, I'd been travelling for the last five years to the Far East, uh, APAC, so Australia, New Zealand, Japan, Singapore, Hong Kong, Thailand, China. They were sort of my key areas and Dubai every time I went as well. So going through there as a hub. So I was travelling every four weeks. and all of those clients that I'd built up over those five years, all of a sudden I couldn't get to. So that's one of the reasons why the recruiting gym suddenly had an influx of international clients because it was, well, we can't get to you, but we can online. So uh, we brought them all in that way. And uh, therefore now my other company that I had, Connemara, I do non-recruitment work through, um, but anything recruitment related goes through the recruiting gym. As I said, you kind of seized that moment, although you were already getting involved in it, you seized that moment, that opportunity that it presented sort of 
And you know, having spoken to you now, we've spoken two or three times before recording this podcast, because obviously Angela, well, not obviously, it's not obvious at all. Angela and I have only known each other a few short months, um, <laughs> but we've thought kind of, because we both have this longevity in recruitment, although, you know, different, traje- I can never say that word, different trajectories. Um, you've gone very much in one direction. And I, whereas I kind of, I think because of my, my life that I did have, kept me sort of, sort of in one place. Whereas you've, you're, as you say, you've, explored the globe using re- recruitment but um yeah so you kind of seize that moment to really integrate all of that you've done yeah into I mean, this the orig- platform the original plan was to come back and be, and be a recruiter actually well originally i was going to retire at 50 um mm. uh, i think i, I had maybe I, a similar idea <laughs> I worked as a financial advisor before I got into recruitment. So for two years, I was self-employed, um, selling pensions and mortgages oh, and, wow. and life insurance policies and savings plans, all of that good stuff. So I had them all myself. I set up my pension at 18 and thought, right, I'll retire at 50. That's great. And I've got three or four pensions now. But I got to 50 and I was like, what, what, what was I thinking? I love <laughs> my job. There's no way that I would want to. Think. And I was traveling at that time as well. And I'm thinking, OK, well, that's fine. We'll just keep carrying on. And adding into it but certainly go back 35 years you were in a situation where it was that job for life sort of thing you Mm -hmm. stuck at it you were bored stiff you just couldn't wait till you retired and and that was your goal in life to get through work (laughs) so then you do what you wanted to do and I just luckily uh, thought well that's not going to work for me it took, took me about 10 years to get to that point and I sort of re-evaluated my life around 30 set up my own business and thought no that that's not going to be how it's going to be I love what I do let's just work with my passion what I love doing and let's see if we can make some money out of it we had this discussion on our daily workout this morning ikigai so find something ah, yes, that's yes. relevant that you love that's your passion find that a need that people are actually going to need it and then the final element to it is are people actually going to pay for it so mm-hmm. being able to travel do what I love see the world at the same time that was my icky guy so uh, I'm looking forward to getting back to that but I've, I've not been too bad I thought when lockdown happened oh my god this is gonna be a nightmare for me because I was traveling every four weeks uh, but it was all right. But I'm definitely getting itchy now. <laughs> I'll bet. Itchy I'll bet. Not just itchy. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. just not just scratchy itchy. No, <laughs> itchy feet. You really do epitomise, you know, all that I sort of believe in myself. You know, you talk about the icky guy, but it is about connecting with your talents and your passions, following your flow, to live your life on purpose, to fulfil your potential. But it's not everybody kind of gets that. And that, like mm. you said and alluded to before, I mean, I've been in recruitment a little bit longer than you have, but we've both in, been in it sort of for, you know, three decades at least. Yeah. And it's that, that that career for life was very much the case. I mean, when I started in 1987, you know, it was unheard of that people sort of moved jobs that frequently. And, you know, in fact, if people said they'd been made redundant, you went, hmm, I'm not sure. Are you sure you've been made redundant? This doesn't happen. <laughs> Whereas now it's like second, second age people, yeah. are, businesses are, you know, moving stuff around cutting and shaping and redoing whereas yeah things have changed dramatically it's finding that thing that fires you up isn't it and finding it early on in life is is great and that's something I'm really passionate about as well but we won't go sort of go on that trajectory I can't say it you know I can't say it but what how did you I mean a I'm really curious because to start off in financial services at that time. So you were you were quite young to do financial services. I mean, that's something quite a lot to get your head around. But I do remember it at the time when I was in the 80s and it was before it became so heavily regulated that they really, really... I mean, we would have 
as a recruitment agency, lots of businesses saying, can you guess there's anybody that can do, you know, who's prepared to work on a self-employed basis on a commission, you know, commission only. And, you know, anybody that was open to it, they would employ and take on. I mean, did you, were you at that time or had it progressed while I was there, the, the Financial Services Act came in and we had to start taking the exams and the details. But no, I'd always been a worker. I, I set up my first company when I was 10 with my best friend. <laughs> oh my gosh, what was yeah. that? That was very glam, doesn't it? It was car washing. <laughs> so <laughs> Brilliant. all those kids that go around and knock on doors um, and say, do you want your car wash? Yeah, we did that. But we created business cards. We had a list, a pricing list. So for me, oh my gosh. it was a bit more than just, do you want your car washed? Who inspired you to... Well, I guess then it was my parents because I used to have to earn my pocket money. So for every Mm. task I did, I got 5p, 10p, 20p and washing Mm. the car was 50p. So that was massive (laughs) to us. (laughs) So the thought then was, well, what if other people would pay us 50p to wash their cars? And probably the local car wash was like 152 quid then. So actually, as long as you were happy with two young kids and we were short as well so trying to get on the top of the car <laughs> we struggled sometimes on some cars there was always a line down the middle and we'd have to say, can you give it can you just give us a buck up to be able to get that bit in the middle but it was Brilliant. 50p for a wash and uh, a pound if you wanted it polished we would polish it for, for Ooh, a pound so we had same. regular customers every weekend we were doing that until I could actually get a job so at 13 I got a paper round by the time I was 18 and doing my A-levels I had six jobs uh, oh my I was gosh. doing during that so I've always been a worker always liked money but it was about being able to pay for my own holiday so from 15 mm. I used to have four holidays a year that I used to pay for so I would go skiing with the school oh my gosh that. wow um, me and my friends would 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 go away in the UK to start with and then once we got to sort of 17 18 then we would go to Ibiza and Mallorca yeah. and places like that but I, I would pay for all of that because I was working and I was working in one of the places and a guy pulled up in a six series BMW and he came in and I went, what do you do as a job? <laughs> and he said, I'm a financial advisor. And I'm like, can anyone do that? Can I do that? And he was like, well, yeah, actually. So I got an interview with him and then had another interview with his boss, borrowed a suit from my sister that was way too tight and I couldn't move um, and, got, and got the job. Um, and did that for two years. So oh. sales was always, I was always in sales. I used to work on Wembley Market, selling watches and things like that. So sales has already been a thing. My mum got me doing sales at 15 or at Olympia and Earl's Court on stands. So that, oh, wow. that oh, was interesting. Off about brilliant. But you've obviously seized these moments though. You've recognised them, you seized mm-hmm. them and you've been so driven and motivated. I, I, yeah, for me, it was always, why not? Have a go. Yeah. What's the worst yeah. that can happen? I exactly. Think it's that that stops so many people, isn't it? It's always mm-hmm. the, well, what if this happens? What if it happens? And it's like, well, what if it does? But you don't mm-hmm. know it's going to. I'm always a, a positive person, a half full. Let's give it a go. I can remember, mm-hmm. um, so it would have been six years, seven years ago, when I said, right, when my daughter goes to university, I've got three years. That's when I'm going to travel. That's when I do it. And the, and the guy that I was with at the time is going, well, that's not going to happen, is it? And I was like, well, why not? Yeah, you're never going to do that. But I just put a plan together. It's always the way. If you if you think can think a bit, plan it out, and then just get on with it. Get on with mm-hmm. the task. What needs doing? So for me, that was LinkedIn. Pick six cities around the world. Two that I'd been to already. Four that I wanted to go to, and just start making approaches to people. So it's all free on LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I haven't paid them a penny. 
got all these connections and then anyone that sort of bit so I wasn't selling at the time but just approaching and if anyone was interested I'd then say well look I'm going to be out there in the next couple of months would you like a meeting let's plan it in let's see how we can work and then I'm planning to be there every quarter because I'd go north to sort of um, Asia and then I'd go south to Australia so that I would be in their location every three months but I'd be traveling every four weeks for two weeks so I mean it's doable you've just you've just got to work it out as to how you're going to do it and put a plan in I usually have a bit of a contingency plan but to be honest it's always worked I've never had yeah. to worry about it's having that confidence isn't it I mean you're talking about sort of setting intentions and, and through setting the intention working out the process and how you're going to get there and then accepting that sort of well if it doesn't happen it doesn't matter I'll, I'll take whatever arrives and that takes that um fear factor that worry and also also the time consumption that goes with worrying and not and procrastinating and not doing things if you just right that's it i'm doing it i'm going for it but having that clear intention is 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 really powerful because you just can get on and do it can't you You just know what you want to do so i want to just rewind back a little bit though how did you get into recruitment and what is it's made you so passionate about recruitment yeah so it wasn't planned you know like most of us back then i'm glad to say people do plan to come into recruitment now they see it as a career which is lovely but one of my jobs during my levels was a um, general assistant in the kitchens working for blue arrow so oh, okay. myself and a couple of friends we'd go down there and during the holidays we would work nine till three get fed during that time so i didn't have to pay for any food or anything <laughs> uh earn the money and i think uh yes yeah, so i was earning about 90 quid a week um doing that and during school hours the um school time i was still earning 90 quid a week from all the bits and pieces the other six jobs so i knew oh. it was <laughs> yeah i mean who had your p45 that's what i want to know <laughs> yeah it moved about a lot um but students actually yeah no you didn't have to pay you didn't have to pay tax did you so you know of course tax, not tax free under 18 so yeah uh, yeah. yeah yeah national insurance but not not tax so I was aware of Blue Arrow I'd been working for them so when I needed a job when I wanted to move out of the um, financial services and I've been a PA to the director and 40 sales guys <laughs> for the last six months while I was there oh, so gosh. got all my sort of administrative skills and coordination and time management and dealing with difficult people and all of that coming <laughs> through <laughs> Went to Blue Arrow and said, okay, um, I've been doing sales, just sales, commission only sort of for two years. I don't want a sales job. What have you got? <laughs> <laughs> and it was Julie Poulton, who's now Julie Food, um, interviewed me at that point. She spent some time with me and said, you know what? I think you'd be a really good recruiter. Let me introduce you to my boss. So Michelle Nicholson Rolls had an interview with her then. Then went on to the regional director. So I had seven hours of interviews to get into oh. being a recruiter because I was still very young. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, so well, that actually played a point in those days. Yeah, good yeah. point. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I got a lot of challenging situations. <laughs> One, oh, no, I had the area manager. So I had four interviews, yeah, of seven hours. The area manager, as I walked in, she went, well, you can't wear that. I had a beautiful tailored uh, trouser suit. This is like late 80s. Women weren't allowed to wear trousers. Oh, I've got a story about that too. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, great way to start an interview. Yeah. And my best suit, I can't even wear. <laughs> so what was your story then? Oh, very quickly. I mean, I, I worked for uh, Kelly Services at one point and it was when Kelly's, Kelly Girl had become mm. Kelly Services. And I, it was, that would have been the mid 90s by, the, no, early 90s, 91, 90, yeah, it'd be about 91, 92. 
And uh, yeah, I just took it upon myself to wear a trouser suit to work. And yeah, the, the uniform was, as you, you're just alluding to, yeah. the ladies, the girls wore um, a, 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 a usually a navy skirt suit with a, a shirt and blouse. And, but I just thought, do you know what? I'm going to wear what if I if I want to wear a trouser suit, the boys can wear a trouser suit. I haven't got a problem with boys wearing skirts, so why should anybody have a problem with me wearing trousers? I will wear trousers, and that was it. Enough said, and then people started to wear trousers to work. <laughs> well, it was only when our, our, we had a management buyout, and the directors, uh, four directors, bought the company from the Bureau Group or Manpower Group, kept going backwards and forwards. Mm-hmm. Stock sh- scandal there. Look into it. One of the biggest in the UK. Um, but. <laughs> <laughs> we had to get quiet about that. Then they said, yeah, you, so it was 91, June 91, before we had to wear trousers. So Which we would tie in with when I started wearing trousers then in the same sort of year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Kelly, Kelly Girl, well, Kelly, yeah, Kelly Services, and not even a deco then, was it? It was Adia. No, it was Alfred Marks, then Adia, Alfred That's Mark. it. Then Alfred the deco, because Echo added on as well. So, oh, yeah, so Alfred dear. Marks Poor people was, listening, they were thinking, these two know too. <laughs> But there would be people listening going, oh, my God, I remember our dear Alfred Marks. Yes, and it just got longer and longer as they kept adding companies on and then they finally decided to pull it all together. Uh, yes. But, yes, yeah, yeah, so those were the days. And started in McCroom, got loads of training. I can see my certificates on the wall now. Probably oh, the wow. first two years, three years, I had 30 training courses because there was Brilliant. 15 on a sheet and I had two. So Blue Arrow was renowned. It, it won three national training awards, and that's not a recruitment thing. That's a industry thing, work, mm-hmm. work thing. So we got amazing training, and I just loved it. I, I just blossomed. I, I did three different um, desks at Hemel Hempstead. Then I moved down to Kent, uh, went in and pretty much interviewed the manager there, poor lady, um, <laughs> to the point where she felt I had so many questions and she went, I'm really sorry, I've got to go and pick up my kids. <laughs> she had to stop the interview. Um, she she then got pregnant. I became the number two, lovely title. Actually, yes. The title, number two. I used to work for Laura Ashley. They used to have the manager, the number two, number two and a number three. Oh, okay. Well, number three doesn't mean anything else, but number two does. Yeah. True. At the time, if you were Trekkies, you were like, you're number two, that's fine, you got it, but otherwise you were poo. So Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I took over the branch. It had two staff. Um, so within two years, I'd taken it from like 150,000 turnover to 3.3 million and 11 wow. staff. Wow. Yeah, we, oh we had a whale of a gosh. time. I'm still in contact with lots of those oh, people. Oh, that's awesome. What did you find about it that really fired you up? What, what yeah. was it? It's a people-driven business, and mm-hmm. I love talking to people. I love talking to new people. I, I don't mind who you are. And I think recruitment gave that to me as well because I'm talking sort of directors, senior-level accountants, mm-hmm. as well as people that were literally sweeping the streets, the, the dust, as it were. We opened at 6 o'clock in the morning to provide people on the dust. So that mm-hmm. range of people and appreciating that we are just all people. Um, yeah. So it gave me that confidence to be able to speak to anyone um, and to really try and understand their needs, whether that was the client or the candidate side. It was always about who's this person, what are they all about, what do they need, what's important to them, which throughout my life has, has really helped and supported me in any situation, actually being interested in people. Mm. I'd always done sales, so it was a very salesy job, which a lot of people don't realise and, and unfortunately do come a cropper then in their first yeah. few months. Yes, so you need yes. To know it is very much a sales job. But 
it was the challenge it was different every day it was 10 jobs in one you're never going to get bored there's always stuff to do my initial jobs at sort of 14 15 i'm watching the clock i'm working out how many pennies i'm making per minute as the clock tick that's another three and a half p it was that type of scenario and therefore I didn't want to be in that situation. And the people that you were, I mean, I have got to travel the world now. And everywhere I go, what I love about our industry is we are all here to support each other. Mm-hmm. I'll turn up in a country I've never been to and the, the people will be there and that I'll be training. They'll be like, well, come out for dinner with us and, and let's sort you out. And oh, we, we can introduce you to this person. And oh, we've got an event coming up. Come along to that. And you just get invited and involved in everything. I can remember it was my birthday when I was in Hong Kong and there was a big event going on. So they invited me to it and to the party afterwards because otherwise I wouldn't have had a birthday. So all of a sudden I had this big birthday party, bigger than I'd had in wow. years. Yeah. <laughs> you just think, how lovely. What lovely people. You've covered all the reasons really why I've been in it for so many decades as well because it is it's it's that variety as you say you you, you're talking to different people at different levels you I mean right when I first started in it people didn't even have a CV and you used to have to interview people from scratch to extract all this information out and I went into it as a real rookie having just done some reception work I say started out life as a cartographer ended up in London demonstrating computer graphics before coming back doing a bit of reception work discovering recruitment and kind of talking my way into it going I like the look of this <laughs> and manifesting a job and uh, you just you've got that variety you've got all that sort of different sort of texture to it haven't you from going out visiting clients getting I used to like to get behind their well still do get behind their eyes understand what they're looking for the same with the candidate and it's that curiosity about people and what makes them tick and pushing them into the right jobs you know and unfortunately and you probably agree with me on this in the sort of the early years as recruitment was picking up in the UK unfortunately there was a sort of a a raft of this bums on seats sort of approach and recruiters being sort of tarred with a brush that wasn't really appropriate for you know many of us because we we were passionate about what we were doing and you want to take care and you want to look after and you want to make sure these your candidates are you know are looked after and go to the right jobs and you know the right with the right employers and likewise make sure you your the clients have got the right candidates for the job because you you're you're only as good as the last placement really aren't you and that bumps on seat situation unfortunately it was those recruiters that were just in it for the money and that's mm-hmm. the difference that i've seen it's it's the ones that love what they do are interested in the people that want to make a difference and and that's what's great about recruitment is you can change people's lives overnight mm. you can make a huge difference and the client and the company. I had a company that was very open with us, but asked us not to share with the candidates that we were going to recruit four salespeople for them. And they said, look, if it doesn't work out, if they're not any good, we're gone in six months. So let's get this right. (laughs) And that that was mid nineties. That company now supplies something like 80% of the recycled paper in the world. (laughs) I mean, something ridiculous. Wow. So, yeah, I mean, literally, that could have been gone and we could have lost that. Um, so therefore, yeah, you as a recruiter, you have the power. And I think that's what's being noticed a lot more at the moment. There has been a big shift around. Obviously, there's a lot of people that have exited work, taken early retirement, people who've gone into self-employment, and it's had a real impact on the sort of movement of people who are still sort of resistant about moving. And those that are, you know, looking at wanting to change jobs are being more mindful about what they're doing. And, you know, as a recruiter, I know, and obviously you're the same, Is it, 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 I kind of 
recognised many years ago the level of responsibility I had as a recruiter and to be mindful that, you know, I am I'm playing an important part in this person's life. And that's not to give me a sort of a, a kudos in any way, but it's 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 about being mindful and that you are you've got to take care of that person's life and it's not about shoehorning them into yeah. a job that they don't want to get just because you want the money and I've I've never been motivated by the money it's it's nice don't get me wrong but it's not what motivates me putting filling a job and getting it done and, and going, yes I mean I had a, 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 an unusual brief last year to find it was a new client that I was introduced to and they wanted me to find their unicorn for them. They wanted a, a Romanian-speaking office manager to be able to liaise with the uh, contractors that they predominantly used that were a lot from Romania. And um, But equally so, had got sort of admin recruitment and all of this. So it was a real... But yeah, found her. <laughs> and, it's, oh, and there's nothing that, better, is there? It's <laughs> so satisfying, isn't it? When you when you do actually find them and they want the job and it works and they get well on the end. You're like, yes, this is perfect. But that's that's what we do. That's what it's all about. So. And it's what fires you up isn't it it's, it's, it is exciting and it and like now it's we're moving into this new new sort of era of people spending more time about looking at what it is that they they want to, to do and as you say it all it all ties in with sort of happiness because if you're mm. happy at work and you spend so many hours at work that radiates out into your personal life so if you're not happy at work you're going to send that out into your outside life but if you're happy at work it you know you know you radiate it I radiate it because we enjoy what we're doing and it sort of just it, it expands outwards and we only attract sort of happy sort of people on a similar sort of vibe back in that old adage isn't it yeah find a job that you love and you'll never work a day in your life so uh, <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> that's, where, that's where we are well my original plan at 50 was obviously then to travel the world work hard earn the money and then go and travel because I didn't get to do that in my 20s it was all work 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 14 hour days as, as a recruiter but got to 50 and, and then it was like yeah no I, I don't I don't need to stop the work I can combine the two and therefore I can get clients to pay for my travel <laughs> all around the world <laughs> split it amongst the, all the ones that I'm doing with so it, a lot of the time it worked out that the airfare um, that I was charging clients let's say in Hong Kong was less than a peak ticket from Derby to London where I was living <gasps> at the time because I'd split it split it amongst them I would I would travel economy and that's why they chose me I think to start with because they were mm-hmm. like yeah we have people come over here but they always fly business and it costs us a fortune <laughs> I was like look I've got no airs and graces I'm happy to fly economy and because I was doing like 35 flights a year so I'm glad I'm not doing that now my appreciation of the environment has got much higher over the last two years so I won't be <laughs> yes. doing that anymore if anyone's going oh, 35 flights a year but it meant I got upgraded all the time. Yes. <laughs> so yes. got it for free anyway because I was gold status. And uh, yeah, or if I was in economy, they'd find me a whole row so I could still lay down and sleep and it didn't matter. And uh, it was really cost effective for them. And I got to maybe work three or four days in that two week period. I probably wouldn't do much more than that. Do some meetings, do some networking, go to a couple of events. And then go and do the the travelling bit with it. So I, I found friends that I didn't know that had were off. So from sort of school, even junior school, got a friend in Sydney that I met up with. We had a great night together. I'd not seen him in thirty five years. Oh my gosh! <laughs> Again, oh it's just wow. That- hey what you got to lose sort of thing um, exactly you like exactly school, so why not and we had a great night together and then I found another friend in Melbourne well she wasn't a friend we didn't communicate at school we, we knew of each other but we weren't in the same group as it were and, and things so 
just reached out where is everyone in the world sort of thing and she was in Melbourne so yeah come and have dinner with the family and we got on like a house on fire so next time I was there three months later she was like will you come to Tasmania with me no one will go I'm like yes I'm there <laughs> we had four days in Hobart or three days maybe um oh my goodness yeah I hadn't been that drunk in a long time but we had a whale of a time and oh. all of these things I've got a school friend in Hong Kong that I stay with and un- another uncle just outside of, of Sydney I've got a lady that was a client that I met in Singapore who takes me out every time and shows me the site so we're, oh, we're now brilliant. like friends and everything as well so we had a week in in Tokyo it Yes, we did work a little bit, but the whole point was the client um, brought three of us over and uh, we worked with his company for a week but he showed us the sites it was amazing so we did all all of the all of the stuff um so yeah to the to the restaurant that's in um kill bill uh with all the oh wow yeah with all the things so got got to eat in there the uh hotel bar that's in lost in translation (laughs) i (laughs) i ended up having a conversation it turns out he was a triad yeah, probably shouldn't have got involved there, but he had a diamond tie, this guy. Oh, my goodness, it oh my was amazing. Gosh. So, unfortunately, I'm a little bit of a, oh, we dare you. And I'm like, yeah, whatever, because we'll go and talk to anyone. <laughs> so we're, he's on the next table, this gentleman, and we're looking, and the tie is glistening and everything. I mean, it's a full-on tie, and we realise yeah. it's diamonds. The whole oh, my thing gosh. Is diamonds. So they're like, we dare you to touch it. <laughs> it's something to touch it. So, of course, I go up, and I'm like, I'm so enthralled by this touch the tie pick it up he comes over and chats with us invites us to a do the next day and at that point we find out that who he is (laughs) okay maybe we'll back up a little bit because he's part of the triad gang but yeah but then you've got the other side of it so you've got all of this tradition and and details and then you look in the street and there's mario brother carts bombing around the city (laughs) you can actually go on a tour like we would have the red bus tour and the open top tours they dress yeah. you up as Mario Brother characters in a little go-kart. I and think some friends of ours have done that. <laughs> it's just madness. And you're like, this is nuts because they're really low on the ground. Any 4 before can just go straight over the top of you. And you see me. That's what makes my heart sing, seeing different cultures, experiencing yes. different things. You really do live life at f- f- full pelt, don't you? And really <laughs> seize it. <laughs> yes. How have you coped, Angela? This is the key. How I have thought, you coped? I thought it was going to be really bad, actually. Um, I mean, when they said three weeks, it was like, yeah, 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 fine. And then when it went on and went on. So that's when I got all, all of the clients into the gym and we, we were working with them that way and online instead. So we've been doing that. It's not quite the same as a classroom. We appreciate that. There are good things to it and more positive things. So again, it's that hybrid and working together, mm-hmm. but going out there and, and working with them. Yeah, that that's what I've been missing. But um, it, yeah, it, it's a lot less hassle. <laughs> Those experiences that you've just spoken about. And I think that's the thing, you know, in today's world it is experiences that we want it's not about material possessions it's about having that you know those experiences you just described and I mean Mm. I'm really keen I haven't done the travel that you've done I mean I've been to different places but not I mean and I do really love the UK I love I mean there's so much still in the UK I want to explore but since I've been doing the podcast and all that I've done myself over the last 12 months and I've got contacts globally in fact I've just found out this morning I've had a I downloaded in El Salvador. I've got people that have downloaded my course globally. And we're talking about South America, 
Southeast Asia, uh, down into Africa and places all over, uh, just all over all the continents. And it's just fascinating. In fact, as, as of recording, it's 12,200 all-town downloads, which is awesome. And so thank you to all of you who are listening. It's just absolutely amazing. And I really want to get out. I'm sorry about the travel miles I might be doing, but I want to go and see all these places and see the cultures and what makes people happy, And which is what you're, you know, you're describing. I mean, and clearly that's what makes you happy and then yeah. is there anything else that makes you happy or are you just sort of full-on happy all the time um i am a positive person yeah it's not often that i'm down uh it's 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 pretty minimal things i have a wonderful family i've got a beautiful daughter she's just bought her first house she's been with she's only 23 but she's been with her boyfriend nearly eight years now wow so, um so they're saying my nephew plays for tottenham he's just had an extension of two-year contract Ooh. so the kids Ex- in the family yeah. it's just like god didn't we do well <laughs> my daughter's a paramedic. she's literally <laughs> saving lives and, and delivering babies on a regular basis so that makes me happy and actually yes that was something that i said that shocked people um when we when we worked in tokyo we, we had like a round table thing and people said um tell us about you what you've done and 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 so i shared that and then i said so at this point in my life if the plane went down tomorrow sort of thing if i if i didn't make it another day i'd be happy i've done what i wanted to do i i've reached a point in my life that i that bucket list isn't like oh it's desperate i've been there i've done it so i can just keep adding to it now everything's Mm. just an an add-on um, rather than getting to 60, 65 when my knees are totally shot. I mean, I got arthritis at 23 in my knees. So the oh my thought gosh. of being old and, and doing all of that stuff, yeah, probably isn't going to appeal to me. Although <laughs> I'll have new knees. That will do it. Yeah. Yes, have some new knees, have some new knees. But that is, isn't it? It's about living in the moment. It's seizing the moment. It's not mm. about waiting until you retire, which as we, if we quickly go back to this, when we were all both started in recruitment, you know, you everybody had this life, this job, but they stayed in the job till they retired then they could plan their life once they'd retired it's about living your life today yeah. and getting on with it isn't it so it's, it's oh my word what a life what an experience and, and obviously now the recruiting gym is 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 your thing and it's just going great guns isn't it especially as you said right at the very beginning it's global and i'm very excited because my my manifest your dream job course is just about to go live on it too so thank you for incorporating it <laughs> we're two coaches when when we when it started when it started no we've got over 20 now uh so individuals like yourself that have got this information we want to be the home of recruitment learning so anything and everything to do with that people can put their courses into the recruiting gym and then we'll, we'll obviously sell it for them as well um so it's fantastic it's it's a collaboration it's what the gym was meant to be all about to start with that we come together we support we're a community so a lot of people would see it well you're competitors surely no let's let's all there's enough work out there my goodness there's hundreds of thousands of recruiters so let's all work together support each other we can then be that virtual team as well Uh, so that element of support of each other I think is really important and we've definitely learned that lesson over the last couple of years collaboration is absolutely absolutely key it really is so how do people find you whether they want to contact you for any any nature of reasons to do with recruiting training to do with recruiters or even they just want to say 
Angela, next time you're out, well, let, let me take you around <laughs> whatever <laughs> city they're in. <laughs> random place. Yeah, no, happy to go there. I've got Mauritius on the cards at the moment. Oh, that one's going to be a brilliant one. Hey, getting to work One of there. my friends' family is from Mauritius and she went out there um, two or three years ago. And uh, because she's got family out there, she saw the Mauritius that most people don't see. So that would be amazing. Yeah. I'll have to tell her to tell you, take, take you with her. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. I'm happy to so sorry there. I interrupted. How yeah. do people find you <laughs> okay so, so we're on linkedin follow us on on the linkedin so this is recruiting gym uh we're on twitter we're on facebook we're on instagram we're on tiktok as of this week oh, yeah, that's wow. going to be the fun element to it uh www.recruitinggym.com so that's our main website and then we've got train.recruitinggym.com which is all the online courses so we offer five free courses to all recruiters so there's free training free coaching free motivation we do a a daily stand-up at um nine o'clock every morning uk time so come and have a workout with us our daily workout there uh 10 15 minutes interesting topics subjects with an action to go away and do for that day so if you want to grab your coffee get your day started um, and then it will give you a bit of focus that you can uh, do something that day that will make a difference to your business we're here to help awesome thank you so much angela for sharing so much i hope that's given all of my listeners an insight to how recruitment actually is in all reality when you when you love what you're doing and you take care of the clients and candidates that you've got so thank you once again to angela and this has been myself sarah j naylor at harnessing happiness so if you've enjoyed this episode please do rate review um and sort of follow or subscribe whatever you do on your usual platform and until next time thank you and goodbye have a great few days week weekend wherever you are at whatever time it is you're listening <laughs> take care goodbye thanks for listening to the harnessing happiness podcast with sarah j naylor if you took value from the content please follow the show on your podcast app and to find out more about sarah's ape mindset visit sarahjnaylor.com that's sarahjnaylor.com